Listener production. Hello, welcome to The Briefing. Tom Tilley with you, joined by Antoinette, as I am most Wednesdays. And Antoinette, there's still love coming through from your comments last Wednesday about the coverage of Meghan Markle. So um, Paige wrote to us on Instagram, just in case you need more feedback on Antoinette's comments on Meghan Markle, I've been thinking about them all week. They are so spot on. My friends are doing that. I really don't like Megan lately, and it's driving mm-hmm. me insane. Thank you for articulating it so well. Karen says, the pod this morning, talking about last Wednesday, had me cheering. The coverage of Megan has been horrendous. It must be hard to step out knowing that every breath will mm-hmm. be reported on and criticised. Thank you. Yeah, and that was on full display and just intensified um, because of the, the Queen's funeral. So, oh my gosh, I have so much more to say about that because that coverage will no doubt continue. But, Tom, we also heard back uh, from one of our listeners called Addie who wanted to acknowledge you um, for mm. the way in which you acknowledge um, your co-host. So I'm writing to acknowledge the moments in the briefing where... Tom acknowledges and highlights the brilliance, intelligence and capability of the incredible female members of the briefing team. Um, And at the close of this particular episode, it struck me that your acknowledgement of Antoinette's excellent question was such a wonderful role modelling to men in how to support strong women. So thank you for your great work. So I wanted to acknowledge Addie for acknowledging you, acknowledging me, because we all love to share the love here at the briefing. Yeah, lots of acknowledgements and back padding (laughs) all around, which is a great way to start the episode. Positive vibes. Um, In this briefing, um, a really interesting story. We're looking at the work being done to bring back the Tasmanian tiger from extinction. Australian and US scientists backed by a US company have launched an ambitious, high-tech, multi-million dollar plan to bring back the thylacine. And there are some very high-profile investors involved. Paris Hilton and Animal Capital, uh, Chris Hemsworth, international celebrities, but obviously from Australia. And then Thomas Toll, the founder of Legendary Pictures, who's our largest investor. Yeah, so we'll find out why Chris Hemsworth, Paris Hilton have chipped in um, for this technology and how they'll bring back the Tassie Tiger. That's our briefing. First, here are the headlines. It's Wednesday, the 21st of September. A US judge has ordered the release of serial podcasts Adnan Sayyid and, get this, overturned his murder conviction. And this comes after the 41-year-old spent more than two decades behind bars. Yeah, so Sayyid was convicted to life in prison when he was 17 years old for the 1999 murder of his ex-girlfriend, Hai Min Lee, which he says he did not commit. Serial was a huge podcast in 2014. Um, It gripped the world. It focused on Miss Lee's killing and raised doubts about some of the evidence that prosecutors had used in the conviction. And it inspired a lot of heated debates about whether he was guilty or not. What did he say after the decision? Can't believe it's real. That's City State's attorney Marilyn Mosby there. She says a national model has successfully exonerated 12 innocent men who combined have served 300 years in prison. So the judge ruled that the state violated its legal obligation to share exculpatory evidence. So that's a fancy way of saying evidence that would have served to clear him from alleged fault or guilt. And prosecutors say they uncovered new evidence, including two new possible suspects. Wow, that's interesting. Uh, It's also interesting that just a few weeks ago, we were talking about the impact of another podcast, the Teacher's Pet podcast, um, and that helped convict Chris Dawson. Here we are again, a podcast investigation appears to have shone new light Mm -hmm. 
on an old case. Look, I do feel the pressure. I feel like we need to lift our game, Tom. I can't seem to figure out whether mm. which coffee's which. I give you the soy latte, which is our producers, and give her your coffee. So I'm like, mm, we, um, we've got a bit of work to do. Yeah, well, with the True Crime podcast, I think that when you listen to them, you kind of hope that somehow this new investigation will change the course of the police investigation or mm. the court's findings. So when some big ones come off, like the teacher's pet or, you know, in this case, cereal, and not saying they were the, the sole reason things have changed here, but they seem to have had an impact. Yeah, they played a role. It, it's going to make what's already a popular genre even more popular because yep. it's basically come good on that underlying promise. Mm. The Treasury is warning Australians can't expect much cost of living relief when the budget is handed down next month. The October budget will be a pretty standard bread and butter budget. That's Jim Chalmers, the Treasurer. So he's saying that despite the fact they've got $50 billion that they weren't expecting. So um, this windfall uh, is mostly thanks to... um, big price increases for our resources like coal and iron ore because of the Ukraine war. So there's extra money in the budget, but they're still basically trying to keep Mm. our expectations in check. This substantial improvement is welcome, uh, but the bulk of it is driven by temporary factors. So Labor is saying, so despite all this extra cash, uh, things like health, disability, aged care and defence are all still underfunded. And it's pointing to the trillion dollars of inherited debt from the coalition. And meanwhile, the fuel excise tax relief, um, which I'm sure we've all enjoyed, is set to end next Wednesday. And it's going to add an extra 22 cents a litre at the Bowser. That's going to hurt, Tom. Well, I just filled up and it was $1.50. So that's pretty lucky timing for the Labor government. Because when this excise relief was brought in by the coalition, fuel prices were well over $2 mm. a litre. And if we were still in that situation, um, this political decision would be a lot more painful. But I think and even more gonna, unpopular. Yeah, people will be able to suck it up. Thousands of DNA samples from rape and murder cases will be released after an inquiry found Queensland's forensic lab had been making untrue statements since early 2018. This is extremely serious and can lead to the potential of miscarriage of justice. Yeah, this is a big story. So that's Queensland's Health Minister, Yvette Darth. Um, She says the state government's now working to rectify this. So it could mean some cases are overturned. The report found that the Queensland Health Forensic Science Service ignored DNA samples and you won't believe it, this one also has a link to a true crime (laughs) podcast, also by Hedley Thomas, the guy who did The Teacher's Pet, so he did a podcast more recently called Shandy's Story, which raised questions mm. over the DNA lab in Queensland. And this was all in connection to the murder of Shandy Blackburn. And here we are having a much closer look at some of the processes here in their investigations. There are fears of East Coast flooding as heavy rainfall hits four states today. So this comes just a week after the official triple La Nina declaration. The Bureau of Meteorology has warned residents in South Australia, New South Wales, Victoria and South East Queensland to brace for severe conditions. That's because another cold front is moving through. So overnight, the low pressure system moves across South Australia and today it's going to hit parts of New South Wales, uh, Northern Victoria. You'll even push into Queensland and there are severe weather warnings in place for New South Wales in particular 
Um, heavy rainfall in parts of the central west slopes and plains, southwest slopes, Riverina, central tablelands. Now, some of those regional areas of New South Wales have already been mm. flooding over the last week, and they flooded earlier in the year as well. And now the bomb's warning with the catchment wet, dams at capacity, waterways are sensitive to rainfall, further river rises, renewed flooding is likely from Wednesday through to the weekend for inland catchments. Yep, and our public holiday on Thursday is expected to be a super wet one. All right, Antoinette, we'll catch you again soon. Uh, Rihanna Patrick is about to take us on a journey sort of into the past, sort of into the future, looking at the effort to bring back the thylacine. Despite hundreds of reported sightings and endless searches, there is still no scientific evidence that the Tasmanian tiger, the thylacine, still exists. But the last thylacine died in captivity in Tasmania in 1936. But the carnivorous marsupial used to roam the mainland of Australia and New Guinea, as well as Tasmania. But now a US-based de-extinction company, Colossal Biosciences, plans to bring the thylacine back as part of a project which has attracted the likes of celebrities and Hollywood. Ben Lamb is the founder and CEO. Ben, perhaps the most obvious question, why bring back the thylacine? Well, the thylacine is a really great candidate for de-extinction, right? Because number one, we have the genome, we have great preserved DNA from some of the pups that are in some of the museums in Australia. We've also got hundreds of pelt samples so we can do population genomic studies on bringing it back. There's an ecosystem where it was the apex predator that nothing has risen uh, to take its place um, and the ecosystem still exists. So there's a lot of reasons why to do it. And then I would say most importantly is that, you know, mankind completely eradicated the species uh, from existence. And so this is a great opportunity to also undo what we've done, terrible to the species, uh, like we've done to other species in, in the planet. So I think that thylacine is a great candidate uh, for de-extinction. So what is the plan and who are you working with to make this happen? So Colossal is uh, a company of about 70 geneticists, embryologists, computational biologists, uh, engineers, and AI specialists that are building what we call a de-extinction toolkit. So we have two large projects, you know, the, the woolly mammoth, which we announced last year, and then the thylacine. And then we feel like it's really important to collaborate and partner with subject matter experts uh, that are also incredibly passionate. So we did that, you know, last year with Harvard, uh, and then we announced, and, and then we've done this most recently with Dr. Andrew Pask at the University of Melbourne in his Tiger Lab, and and Andrew has been working on, you know, the thylacine for the last 15 years. So I'd argue there's no one, you know, more qualified not just on the thylacine and the research on the thylacine, but also on the genomics. So he's done a lot of genomic studies, cranial facial structure studies. Uh, as, as well as kind of like comparative genomics to some of the other desiurids, like the uh, Tasmanian devil and um, uh, the Dunart and others. She's done tons of reproductive work on uh, marsupials and marsupial uh, gestation, both in vitro and in, in ex utero. And so Andrew Pask and his incredible team uh, at the University of Melbourne uh, are who we chose to partner with on the project. Ben, I mean, your company raised like $60 million in six months for this project and the latest round has attracted some pretty interesting investors, which I think 
is why, you know, apart from the fact that he is the Tasmanian tiger, it's also been about who's been attracted to invest in this. Are you able to talk about some of those who've been attracted to this project of bringing back this carnivorous marsupial? Yeah, so uh, we, we've been very fortunate. You know, uh, our investor base is kind of a, a mix of people like uh, Paris Hilton and Animal Capital, uh, Chris Hemsworth, international celebrities, but obviously from Australia, and then Thomas Toll, the founder of Legendary Pictures, who's our largest investor. Uh, so they've been so our consumer investors have been also really, really excited. And you know, we we've been you know very, very lucky that all of them are excited about the mission. Uh, yeah, we raised sixty million dollars in our Series A, but we raised fifteen as a seed, so we raised a total of seventy-five million dollars uh, to date. But I think most of the the investors have been attracted that we've built a company in, in a model that really uh, creates the right opportunity for the uh, intersection of value creation for our investors and our shareholders, impact for the world with rewilding and developing technologies for conservation, and then also inspiration. You know, this the, the, the two de-extinction projects we're working on are arguably the uh, most interesting synthetic biology projects out there. Not to belittle, you know, people that are doing uh, synthetic biology on yeast, but I think a mammoth and a thylacine are more interesting than yeast. And so we've, we've not only attracted incredible talent because of that, uh, I think we, we, we've set a beacon uh, of hope that, one, these technologies can be used to, to reverse what we have done to species and the planet. And hopefully that inspires other people uh, to look at genetics and uh, synthetic biology uh, in a new way and how it can help with conservation. Yeah, Ben, you mentioned there, you know, there's this obviously things that have come before. And I think there's been many instances recently of species being reintroduced, the bison and beavers in the UK, sea otters in Argentina, um, the plight of the red wolf in the US and the impact that that can have on rebalancing the environment. I mean, what do you see the impact of the Tasmanian tiger will have on the Tasmanian wilderness if it is brought back? I was fortunate enough to be both in Australia and then I spent you know, five days in Tasmania and central and specifically the highlands in central Tasmania where the thylacine was pretty prevalent. Uh, so it was amazing just to kind of be in its ancestral home. One of the other things I got to do when I was in Australia was I was fortunate enough to be uh, invited out to meet with the great team at, uh, that we partnered with at Aussie and Wild Ark who returned the Tasmanian devils back to the mainland. And um, I was fortunate enough to be one of the release, one of the Tasmanian Devils back into the wild. Number 21, Ned. I didn't name Ned, but still a big <laughs> fan of Ned. As you guys probably know even better than me and, and, and most, that this terrible uh, facial tumor disease has been killing the, the Tasmanian Devils in Tasmania. So now that there's this additional population of facial tumorless uh, devils in uh, Central Southwest Australia is, is really, really great for devils as well as for the country and biodiversity. But what's interesting is... Um, you know, the thylacine uh, in, in most apex predators, when you look at like tropic downgrading and, and how these ecosystems work, will typically prey on the weak and sick first. And so there's a high likelihood that this terrible um, facial tumor disease just spreading throughout the Tasmanian devil population wouldn't exist if the thylacines were still there because they would have picked off the weak and slow and, and devils that couldn't see as well. They that, that, That's how they work. They would have helped with kind of the rabbit and, and cat and fox populations, right? Because those smaller um, uh, mammals are, are what the thylacine ate. And so really keeping those things in check would be, uh, would, would be very, very helpful to the environment. 
I mean, as you probably know, Ben, I mean, Australia is losing a lot of its biodiversity at, at a rapid rate. Yeah. And I mean, there might be some out there that say, you know, why are we bringing back something that's extinct? What about preserving existing species? I mean, what do you say to that? Number one is we should absolutely preserve land and protect species at, at all costs, right? Unfortunately, humans are better at destroying things and adding to man-made climate change and destroying the world uh, better than we are at conserving. So we need better tools, right? And so number one, we should totally uh, continue to, to support conservation efforts um, because they, they do work. They just don't work a lot of times as fast as we as, as humankind needs them to. Secondly, these projects lead to a better understanding of genomics and, and, and genetics and a deeper understanding of, of marsupial gestational knowledge and genome engineering knowledge. And so I'll get an example of that is we're developing tools and technologies like an exo pouch. So one of the things that we're working on the, the path to the thousand is actually building an exo pouch that, you know, if you take away the advanced genomics and artificial wombs and all the other technologies we're, we're developing, just the exo pouch alone could be massively helpful in uh, conservationist hands, right? Because even the Tasmanian devil, you know, they give birth to 20 to 30 uh, joeys at a time, but only have four nipples, right? And so they actually lose the vast majority of, of each litter just naturally outside of, you know, um, the facial tumor disease or um, loss of habitat. And so it's really important that that we develop technologies like this artificial pouch that could be very, very useful in 5Xing or 10Xing even a litter of joeys. And then that's replicatable in koalas and, and kangaroos and, and wallabies and uh, some of the possums and whatnot that are that are critically endangered. So so I think it's important that we we continue to preserve uh, existing conservation aspects and preserve existing species. This allows us to invest and develop technologies that can be more tools for those conservationists and then last, but you know, certainly not least, I think it's absolutely critical that we bring awareness and education, you know, to these topics. Unfortunately, I think that uh, you know, cats and foxes are a major problem outside of the climate change that Australia is facing. It, it is they are the feral cats are just um, eviscerating many of the small mar marsupial populations. And so, if we can add back a native non-invasive carnivorous uh, marsupial predator, you know, hopefully it'll help balance that ecosystem and kind of balance the tides for smaller marsupials as well. I've also wondered, Ben, about if something is genetically engineered, can it still be called a woolly mammoth or a thylacine? I think somewhat in the eye of the beholder. So, you know, like an Asian elephant, for example, is 99.6% a, a, a woolly mammoth. doesn't look like a woolly mammoth. Can't, it can survive actually in reasonably cold temperatures. Most people don't know that, but it can't, but it can't survive in, you know, up to, up to negative 40. So what we are looking at is we are de-extincting genes to essentially create proxy species that pass what I'd call the grandma test, right? If we create a functional woolly mammoth or a functional thylacine, uh, that looks exactly like, you know, a thylacine looks exactly like a mammoth and it and it serves its purpose by filling the ecological void that exists from its absence, you know, is that good enough? You know, our goal is to get to 99.999. We want to get as close to the original species as possible. You know, my dogs, for example, are, are rescue mutts. They're amazing, but they're not any less a dog than, you know, other, other dogs or purebred dogs, right? They serve their functional role in my life. And I think that's that's similar to what we're doing here with both the mammoth, you know, and, and the thylacine. If people want to call it a Arctic mammoth, Asian elephant hybrid or a woolly mammoth, I'm generally indifferent. 
And when it comes to this timeline, Ben, I mean, what does that look like? And I mean, how much is this going to cost? Our metrics of success is actually in the rewilding, isn't just in bringing back a species. It is actually reintroducing them back in the wild. And I think this will, that will take a decade plus. Uh, for the mammoth, we've announced that, you know, it'll be five to six years, uh, given that we have a 22-month gestation. We feel very confident in that timeline. So we're looking at 2027, 2028. With the thylacine, you know, we haven't announced an exact timeline, but what I can say is there's parts of it that are easier than the mammoth, there's parts that are harder than the mammoth, and given that it's a 14-day gestation, I think it's highly likely we could see a thylacine uh, or thylacine proxy, you know, before we see a mammoth, but we're not committing yet to any uh, quite timeline. Ben Lamb there, the founder and CEO of Colossal Biosciences, which is planning on bringing back the Tasmanian tiger. And it's definitely a species that I was obsessed with uh, when I was a kid and I was a sucker for any kind of sighting and I'd read anything I could get my hands on if someone had seen something. But I guess as an Indigenous person, I always wonder about how bringing something back, which was a totem, which for different groups can be an animal or a plant and it's something which sort of spiritually connects you to where you come from and and who you belong to and and something that you're born into and you know I also wonder about those indigenous knowledges that some of those groups might hold who did have the thylacine as their totem which which might help with its reintroduction if this project is successful. Tomorrow on The Briefing We're taking a really interesting long lens deep dive on crime statistics and the direction that crime is going might really surprise you. Listener.